It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill on ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here as well. A uh, big Friday to get to, some Raiders news to hit on, uh, big news around the National Football League. I cannot believe we're going to talk about the Redskins, WFT, Commanders possibly having a fourth name. That's crazy. So we'll get to that a little later on. Adam Hill, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm concerned. that you, It looks like you're – are you homeless now? I know. I'm moving in. What, why do you have nine bags with you? Uh, I keep collecting stuff that we use for the show. Um <laughs> Just kind of waiting for the uh, the studio to get finished here, so I'm filling in the gaps. Okay. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I got here a little late. I was also so concerned. I, I usually do about a 15-minute setup. I was concerned because I saw you walking in carrying, like, f- like, six duffel bags and a backpack, and then it was also 115 degrees. I thought you were just going to collapse at some point. You know, it's uh, – I, I don't like to complain about the heat here because we know it's coming, and I also – when it was uh, nice and – cool you know in the 80s and 90s i was like man i can't wait till the heat gets here um so i think well, i won't get into uh, what's going on in the studio but i as i you know it, it when you get that dryer effect with the 110 here and it's kind of blowing in your face i actually was walking from the car and i just closed my eyes and like took like 20 steps i'm like my eyes are getting hot we also to go even further behind the scenes you you like to i think it's because you want to get your steps in you park in the furthest spot always from the building because well, it's I, it's your one walk of the day probably. Um, that's a little part of it. Most of it's most of it is I try to park with only one car on my side. Okay. Um, and true. if this were you know, oh, a supermart or some supermarket, I usually park all the way out to you. Right, I get a little extra steps, yeah. but I'm proud of. Like trying not to get dings on my car, even though my yeah. car's a little bit older now. That should be clear. It's like an extra ten steps. Not, yeah, not far. Like Our parking lot's not that extra gigantic. Mile. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I was like, man, you're walking all the way across the parking lot. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough when you get. So in. we've got the the Raiders youngins in town. Yeah, they're they're here. They're okay. checked in. They're at camp. They're getting acclimated. Okay, so they reported on the twentieth. The Yesterday. the big dogs are. Here next week, Tuesday, uh, there could be some new faces. And we heard about a rumored, did I say big faces? Big names. Sure. There could be a big name coming in to challenge. I'm not even going to say play. I don't know if he can play at this point. Challenge for time with the defensive backs? Who is it? Marcus Peters. Okay. Superstar. Big face, I think is how we're saying. He does have, I think it's a normal sized face. Okay. A pretty big name for sure. Somebody who's had a ton of success at the NFL level. Somebody who I think gets people excited when they hear his name that could potentially play. And when you think about eh, the secondary needs some help, I'm sure there's a lot of people that right away say, oh, this is big. I don't know how big it is. I mean, he's not the same player he once was. He's had some injuries. And he's also not a guy that's going to take them from a very, very questionable defense to like, they're going to be elite now. He was on the Ravens. I mean, he's a, ball, he's a ball hawk, and maybe he can get That's some turnovers. And you know, they're not. This hasn't traditionally been an off or a defense that grabs a lot of picks. That's the big one to me. Is that this defense, while they you know have some guys that are developing and getting a little bit better, they still have had trouble turning teams over. 
that's one thing that they really haven't been able to do consistently at any time in the last couple of years. And that's, by the way, the best way you help your offense mm-hmm. to create defense or create turnovers, get field position. And he is a guy that will find the ball. And I think that that's a big that could be a big part of this. I just he's the kind of guy I think you add if you're, you know what we're. Pr- our ceiling is probably the AFC Championship game. Let's see if this guy can push us over the top. I don't think that's this team situation. Last three days have been uh, real big football days in Vegas with college football media days. So two days of Mountain West. Pac-12 landed here today. Uh, Mountain West was at Circa. You heard us live from Circa the last two days. Pac-12 was at Resorts World. Um, they kind of crammed in the players and the coaches all into one day. It's still going on right now. I think it's ending pretty soon. Interesting format. We'll get into that. Uh, right off the bat, before we get to what George Klyavkov was talking about today, he's the commissioner of the Pac-12. You were at both uh, today's festivities, or at least watched in, and then I know you were at Mountain West Conference. The commissioners of these two conferences, they have unique <laughs> challenges. Pac-12's got a real challenge here because it's sure. a Power Five. They're in the mix for the CFP. they got to hold this thing together. They're the last of the Power Five to have a big you know, TV deal moving forward. Just your impression of both commissioners and their delivery and how they answer questions. Uh-oh. I, I knew I'd get something <laughs> good out of this one. Be honest. It was uh, Gloria Navarro's first. Oh, she's, been a, she's been in other leagues, but first address as Mountain West commissioner. I, I don't know why she would have been nervous. or I, I thought it was a disaster. Um, but it, there's also the part of she's going up there to answer questions about San Diego State. That's all anybody cared about. Literally anybody cared about yeah. it's of a, what she had to say. It's a terrible position because she can't really say anything because when she came on with us, I thought she was good at the start. Then I, then she started to do, kind of do commish speak yeah. on Cofield and company, and I was like, eh, I'm kind of I'm kind of done yeah. with this. But at the start, it was good. But I got the message at the beginning of it when I asked three or four questions about she's, San Diego State. Talk I, about it. I was very blunt. I'm like, why did you let them back? Yeah. And then she said, hey, we're not going to talk about the ins and outs, the private conversations. And then at that point, there's not a whole lot to talk about. She's going to dance around things. So she's coming out in a difficult position because you know everyone there is going to want, you know, the first five or six questions or let's get some clarity on why this team is allowed again. Stop saying team. School institution. It's not just sports and it's not just a football team. Why this institution has repeatedly said we're out and then they're allowed to crawl back in. But not even to crawl back in. Like, I think at some point you're like, okay, yeah, you're coming back in with this, 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 and this. We don't know any of what this, 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 this stipulations because they won't talk about it. And it sounds like there's none. Which there should be. It sounds like they basically just said, can you please come back for at least one year? There should be massive penalties now when they leave. Or, uh, hey, as long as you're staying here, you get a tiny bit of the ref share. Yeah, I, I think the we first- don't trust you, we know you want to leave. You already indicated in your stupid letter you put the uh, cart before the horse. And by the- so now it's time to pay up. By the way, she wouldn't even say that because they are getting a full share. But she wouldn't say that. Yeah. Her answer was, they're a member in good standing. Does that mean they get the full revenue sharing? They're a member in good standing. Like, yeah. d- Say it. Yes. We gave them everything. We gave them everything they wanted. And then the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klavkov, Comes into a media day still without a TV uh, deal done for the future, which means that there's nothing on solid ground for the future with regard to what they have now in terms of institutions. And yesterday some news came out, or at least a report, that Klyavkov was going to present the presidents with 
the future media plan. I don't know if that means a deal was done. Uh, then he comes out this morning and says, we're not going to announce anything because we just want to, we're going to stick to the focus, which is football. And then a follow-up came up and the follow-up was, well, wait, you're not going to announce something, but it's done. Or is it not done? Sounds like it's not done. And then he just said, you're miss, you know, you're misinterpreting or reading too much into me saying that we're just going to keep the focus on football. Like, is the deal done or not? not Are you going to announce it on Monday, Tuesday? You just stayed out of, you know, stayed out of the way now because it'll be a gigantic thing. Because if it was done and it was a good deal, it would be a, a, a triumphant you know, run to the stage and then let's talk about it all day long. Well, the, the res- Resorts World has an entire panel. On the side of the building where they can put things, I mean, it's, it's it was the sphere before the sphere was here. They would Pac-12 would have said, "Hey, can you unveil right. the big details of our TV package on the side of the building and tell tell the world how great we did because we've been getting crushed for years and years and years about how bad our deal could be, how bad our previous deal was, how bad the next one is going to be. How about you just announce it to the world?" I didn't see that. I didn't even see an announcement. I saw an evasion of the question. Um, Look, I, I think they're both in pretty tough positions, and I think all all leagues at I'm gonna I'll put the Pac-12 on the same level, even if they're quite not. But all leagues on this level are in complete turmoil right now. And yet, both commissioners said the future is exciting because things are changing so, so quickly in television that there may be more options that we're actually going to benefit from waiting. Mount West it can't do anything anyway; their deal runs another yeah. two years, I think it is. Yeah. But Pac-12, he's trying to sell the image that, hey, things are actually getting better. We're going to benefit from this. We're the only one that doesn't have a, a deal, and now we've got more people coming, more options coming at us. Think of the excitement. Yeah. Everything, everything could be coming to us. Our, t- our two premier programs are leaving. Yeah, according to a, a Pac-12 source, uh, ESPN was told new media rights deals likely to include a mix of streaming and linear options expected to be on par with the ACC and Big 12. I think both of those conferences are doling out somewhere between like thirty-five and forty-five million dollars per school per year. They're going to intro this thing, and then at some point, and then the ten, uh, ten remaining presidents and chancellors have to sign a grant of rights, which will depend on the satisfaction with the new deal. Which sounds like essentially what that is is a commitment to the conference. Right. Like, hey, we're in. We're invested in this. We're going to stay here. We like this new deal. We're all happy. That's that's what the letter and it sounds like the letter's done. It's done and ready to be signed and announced. They mm-hmm. just want to make sure that the deal is good before they do that. Uh, again, on the optimism by Clay Avkoff, he said, uh, what we've seen is that the longer we wait for a deal, the better our options get. I think our board realizes that there's an underlying shift in the media market that's happening and we're long term taking advantage of that. Now, it sounds like that's in the present that that they forged the deal. Uh, uh, but short-term may have provided some hiccups. I mean, whatever deal it is, can we get it so we can watch the game? <laughs> yeah. The their last deal that they tri- they they triumphed as some revolutionary yeah. deal that was great for everyone, we never got to watch. Yeah, the Pac-12 network was a disaster, and that was Larry Scott's doing, so we have to give yeah. Klyavkov a, a clean slate. But I don't, don't want to judge people in both cases. I don't want to judge them on – their effectiveness speaking in front of a crowd. Although you would figure that should be a prerequisite of the job. Like the main part of the job. And, I mean, it's a big part of the job. You're supposed to rep the conference publicly, 
both of them did seem to be in awkward positions and didn't feel real comfy delivering the, hey, we've got information, but we can't tell you. <laughs> You're, and again, we if, know what's going on. I know you guys think we don't, but we can't tell you. Also, keep in mind, if you have good information, you scream it. And neither one of them did that. They both said, trust us. It's going to be great. That's usually not a good sign. If you hear that from, like, if you're shopping for a house, and the agent's like, look, it's, I, it, this lo- might look bad. This house looks terrible. Trust me. It's going to be great once you move in. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't want to hear that. All right, coming up, I had a quick conversation with Lincoln Riley today, the uh, head coach at USC. We got a conversation over at Resorts World with actually Willie did. Willie Ramirez doing a good job for Cofield and Company in ESPN Las Vegas. He spoke to Caleb Williams. We spoke with a former Bishop Gorman player who was at the Pac-12 Media Day. He's a Washington player. What a story. He didn't land here at UNLV. That's a, a little distressing. So we'll get to that. We're going to talk to Brady Hoke later on in the show. We've got Caleb Herring coming up at the end of this hour. So lots of football talk. This is what we wait for, right? We talk about it all uh, basically the summer that, hey, the Golden Knights extended things out through June. There's about a four-week break where football doesn't really hold all the attention every single day. Well, football camps are open. We've got media days just finishing up. College football is right around the corner, and it really is. College football, and we know the Hall of Fame game is you know shortly uh, right around the corner, but college football for some teams opens on August 26th, so I mean, we're talking – Freaking barely over four weeks till we get real college football on the field. So interesting days, the last couple days, Adam Hill with Pac-12 and Mountain West Conference in town. Uh, we were just kind of talking about impressions of Pac-12 today. George Klavkov, commissioner, didn't have any answers. You know, a lot of people think that the conference is going to break up if they don't put together a really good, you know, short-term TV deal. And it's just every month, oh, we got to wait till next month, next month, next month. I mean, this should be done before the football season. It certainly should have been done before media days, five weeks out from the season. And then, you know, the San Diego State thing with the Mountain West is really weird. And uh, Gloria Navarez just decided not to give many details. So we don't know if San Diego State really came crawling back or if they were welcomed back with open arms. I think welcoming back with open arms is horrific. I think it sends a terrible message. Weak. Week and it's not just it's not on her. It's on the conference presidents. Yeah. And yeah. I I didn't hear every conference president talk about this. I didn't hear every conference AD talk about it. When I asked Eric Harper yesterday, the AD of UNLV, he kind of gave the you know a similar answer that hey they they do benefit the conference. Well, I don't think anybody- I, I also followed up by saying how do you do business for the next year. When basically, you know, there's a good chance they're leaving. How are they not lingering bitter feelings and egos involved? Like, is this all going to work? Well, how do they get any say in anything? Like, that should have been negotiated into this, oh too. That, that's, the part that we're ta- that's, the, that's the part that we're talking about. Like, no, I don't think anybody denies or disputes that it's better for the league to have San Diego State in it. Of course it is. As much as maybe some people don't like them, whatever, it's better to have them in it. And bringing them back for a year... Okay, that's fine. What are they giving up? And what, what, what was said about, hey, if you're only here for a year, if there's any votes on anything, you're obviously not getting a vote. Why would you? But that was never discussed. That was never talked about. Do you think they about. don't have a vote? Of course they do. Yeah. 
Of course they do. But that's the kind of stuff that should have come out and said, look, look, we understand they're leaving in a year. That's their plan. Most likely they're gone. So we've welcomed them back. They don't get votes. Maybe they don't quite get a full share. Or if you want to do that, maybe, maybe they have to pay a portion of it back if they do leave something along those lines. There should have been some concessions, and those should have been spelled out to people. Yeah. I have no idea why anyone on the conference would think giving San Diego State a full share is the right thing to do for the rest of the time they're here. Yeah. Unless they unless they sign some really prohibitive, hey, you're with the conference for at least the next five years. Well, they didn't. You, you want to leave early? Um, it starts next year at $100 million, and it goes to 80 to 60 to 40 Oh, she was very clear Ridiculous. that they're, they're a member of the conference through the 2023-2024 calendar, academic calendar, which means March or May, June, whatever. So, I mean, if, if, they, if there was some agreement that they're going to be here longer than that, she would have said that. And that's why she's not giving details, by the way, because the league just took them back without anything. That's, she would give details if, if that wasn't the case. Again, that's what we're talking about with Pac-12, too. If they had good details, they'd share them. Yeah. Well, and the Pac-12 is in an even worse position because we addressed the future TV media rights deal, but we really didn't address on this show the lingering bitterness and lack of trust and anger over USC and UCLA kind of skulking around behind the scenes, giving no one any idea of what the hell was going on, including – in UCLA's case, the state system, yeah. which got Cal all pissed off and really pissed off Gavin Newsom to the point where they were threatening some action. They actually did install some penalties. They will be sharing some of that Big Ten money with Cal. Yeah. Something. Yeah, something. That's, what, that's, what, that's all anybody's asking for, really. Yep. And we're getting nothing. And, you, I mean, no one, no one was really going to address – at least I didn't see it. And I watched about six of the coaches' Q&As and player Q&As. Like, hey, do you want to freaking break these guys in half on the football field? <laughs> it's not the player's fault. But do you, no. hate, do you further hate SC? Because I don't think, well, you know, the, the passion around UCLA is Good not luck. strong. But do you further hate SC? Good luck against them anyway. I will see. They were – they have a lot of talent. Yeah. And I, obviously they have an NFL quarterback. He might be the number one pick. So they've got a leg up in that department. They were also – uh, very weak and got weaker on defense as the season went along. Can you fix that in two seasons? Maybe. Uh, the other thing is they were – what do you say about turnovers from year to year? It's very unpredictable, not and, sustainable. And they were unbelievable on the plus side. Does that yeah. change? Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're a better team than they were last year. So I think this conference, with all the returnees – and the, the other tough part for everyone – is just about every team has a quarterback who can change a game. It changes programs. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking, like, I think up in Washington, they believe that Kalen DeBoer is some kind of genius. I don't know if he is, but he got Michael Penix. And Michael Penix went in there and earned the job and then killed it. Like, maybe they're a 500 program without him. Quarterback makes such a massive difference. Of course. It did to USC. So there's so many good quarterbacks in the conference. There could be upsets all over the place. Sure. You get a hot hand. You have a bad night against a good quarterback. Look out. Yeah, I think that – I mean, that's the case almost anywhere. If you have a good quarterback, you change everything. But there, there's just a lot of them week to week you have to go against. That's the thing. My point is it's not four at the top and then, like, an outlier at seventh and tenth. It's almost every team has someone who's good or has lots of experience. Yeah. 
And that's mostly just because of California, where even the teams in the East, they get all their good quarterbacks from California. California's unreal. Yeah. And you've got guys trying to turn back to the conference. Yeah. So I assume, can I say this, with better offensive tutelage, that DJU will get back to those special moments and how good he looked in his first year Yeah. as a part-timer. Yeah. I think he will. So do I. I think he'll be very good. And by the way, he's backed up by a four-slash-five-star guy that Oregon State landed from California. Of course. Yeah, I think DJ will be good. He was the victim of that <laughs> antiquated nonsense system. Yeah. And a bad offensive line for back-to-back years because Clemson's offensive line recruiting dropped off and Dabo Sweeney's a stubborn ass. So there's nothing wrong with going in this system and augmenting and filling in at certain spots where you're weak. You know, you don't need to puff out your chest and be like, we stick with our guys. Like, no, go get a couple of offensive linemen. You're putting this kid's future at risk. And finally he said, I'm out. Well, yeah, and that and the fact that he wasn't going to start. That too. It was looking, it was looking that way. But I think he's going to have a really good year so at, at Oregon State. So I had a chance to talk to uh, Lincoln Riley for a couple of minutes today uh, over on Radio Row. And um, you'll hear I went with that theme about – it's a weird year, you know? I mean, USC is the Pac-12. So it's this last year of Pac-12 play, but you also want to be excited about the Big Ten. It's a really interesting mix. It's okay to fill both, right? Like, it's is there some, not disappointment, right? Or is there some, like, a little bit of sadness? Or, you know, you kinda, you're kind of you going to miss your friends here in this conference, uh, the matchups, right, going to the venues, all the people, the, the relationships. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, there's been a lot of great history with the school in this league. Like, uh, and I don't think anybody wants to see that end or is necessarily happy about that ending. Like, we get that. But there's also the excitement for what this what this can be, this move to the Big Ten, the, the matchups it's going to create and the impact it's going to have on, on college sports and college football. So I think, we feel, I think we all feel a little bit of both there, and I think that's okay. This is a big look ahead, but I've seen a lot of people make the jokes about UCLA and USC and now the travel. I feel like you guys travel a lot now. Oh, yeah. Um, and you guys travel in style. Is it going to be a massive difference having you travel? No, nah, we've done studies on it. It's it's a lot less than what people would think. And you know, a lot of people that aren't West Coast people don't realize, like, the distance it is from, like, Southern California to go up to play Washington, you know, or go play Washington State. Like, it's a long ways up there. And so I'm not saying, obviously, it's, it's the same as flying all the way to the East Coast, but... When we did the studies of, of each year, how many hours uh, uh, a year more we would be on a plane, I think people would be surprised what that number is. For football, it's going to be very minimal. What's going to happen down the road with a, from a recruiting standpoint? You guys recruit nationally, but you also recruit regionally. I'm sure you want to stay recruiting in the Pacific time zone. Does that change? And I wanted to hop on top of that. Vegas has been big for USC over the years. Yes. So all of a sudden, if you're you know, you're in the Big Ten, does, does Vegas go bye-bye? Does some of the West Coast markets just – are they out of the mix now? Uh, this is USC. You know, we're still going to play all of our home games in UCLA every single year on the West Coast. Our West Coast recruiting will never go away for USC. Like, that's not going to change. Will it open up a few more opportunities outside of that? Yes, but, I mean, I think you said it right. We're kind of already recruiting those areas anyway. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, the – the West Coast will still always be the home and, and kind of the, the, the main area for us. Nothing's going to change that. Yeah, I like the answer in the middle from Lincoln Riley there at uh, Resorts World, Pac-12 Media Day about travel because so many people have freaked out. Now, travel, when you talk about the rest of the sports, that is going to be daunting, and they're going to have to come up with some solutions going into the Big Ten. But for football, as he said, it's only going to add a couple hours. When you go north to Washington and even Oregon, 
it is a lot further than you think. And the other thing is, I think I mentioned it there, you guys travel in style. Like, UNLV has a nice deal. Everything is chartered. You know, they fly on a, on a big jet. The traveling party is like 175 people. It's comfy. With the money they're getting, and they already have, USC, but especially UCLA, what they can add, the way they fly is nice. Yeah. And adding like an hour and a half. I mean, I don't know. when you. The other thing is when you fly, like what do you just – does anyone just sit there and just stare at their, the, front, the seat in front of them? Like everyone's got something to be entertained by. Those people creep me out. Yes. Well, I would think uh, – You watch a movie or two, a uh, freaking cross-country flight is done like that. Assume you'd be watching film. Uh, maybe. No, I don't think everyone watches film. I'll tell you when they, the funny thing with the UNLV, when, when a lot of times when you see them watching film is like 40 minutes after a game. They're like right on it. Yeah. Because the guys are starting to cut up film. And because I can remember, uh, you know, an offensive lineman didn't have a, a great game. And they're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Look at the film. You know, you're not watching Barbie tonight. Watch the film. Barbenheimer? <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing Barbenheimer online. Watch the freaking film. All right, rolling on. 3 o'clock hour. Uh, four, uh, Big Ford Ford's coming up at about 30. Caleb Herring at about 10. Adam Hill. Damon is here. It's Cofield in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, a lot of college football talk today. A lot of NFL talk today. Possibility that Marcus Peters, veteran cornerback, could be with the Raiders sooner than later. Uh, big news about the pup list all around the league, but especially here in Las Vegas. So Adam was making a strong case in the uh, opening portion of the show about USC potentially dominating, dominating. Now, when USC leaves and UCLA leaves, and that was kind of the weird vibe at Pac-12 Conference Media Day at Resorts World, it's the elephant in the room, but uh, no one wants to sit there and just pound, hey, these jerks are leaving, right? So it's just all look forward to this year. And then there is the future of the conference. And... Klyovkos was asked a question. He's the commissioner. You thought he answered this poorly about being raided by other conferences? I mean, I just think it's the wrong attitude more than anything. Well, what you sent over says Pac-12 commission says he's not concerned with being raided. Right. That's not the right, that's not the right attitude to have. Um, I thought it was actually kind of an arrogant answer. He said, this is the way the quote was written up, by the way, on ESPN. It's not a concern. Hard stop. Should be. He said at Pac-12 Media Day, addressing the topic publicly for the first time this year, our schools are committed to each other and the Pac-12. Let's play the bite. In terms of them potentially poaching schools, is that still a major concern, or has it kind of been you know, nipped in the bud privately? It's, it's not a concern. Our schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12. We'll get our meteorites deal done. We'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will, will come to an end for this cycle. Okay. Um, I think if you just put the headline, it's not a concern, it's very deceptive. He flowed right into our schools are committed. Okay. If you believe that, then I guess it's not a concern. Yeah. I mean, he said it's not a concern. Right. But if you stop it right there and don't link it immediately to, he didn't stumble. He said our schools are committed. It makes the, the full quote makes a difference. The question also makes a difference. Yeah. And we do this sometimes where it's just like, Klyavkov's not concerned. (laughs) What an idiot. Use the entire quote. That's not fair. I have that same reaction that you just had after listening to the full quote. You don't? I don't know. I, I saw it, and I was like, okay, he's confident that everyone's in. Yeah, what an idiot. 
The, the, yes, that's that's I mean, he's the one. That's he, ridiculous. He's the one who talks to him, and if they've had conversations, and we don't know if the conversations have gone further down the line. Like I am guaranteeing all of you that we're getting at least thirty-eight million dollars per school, and it could be up to you know fifty-two million dollars a school. Bang, 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 bang. Here's all the details. Yeah, and then when they don't, then then what happens? I mean, you either way, it needs to be a concern because if you get this. Okay. Okay. Let's say. Okay, I can guarantee we're getting thirty-eight. Okay. Cool. Big Twelve. Hey, here's here's fifty. You should be concerned. That's concerning. And what happens then? Like that. That's why you should be concerned. So it should be. Of course, we're concerned. You always have to be concerned. You could end up losing your conference completely. That's a concern. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Are you concerned if you curse on the show today that this is the last Cofield and Company show you're ever going to do? Of course. That's a stupid answer. Why? I wouldn't get in trouble for that? I wouldn't, I no, wouldn't no, no. potentially I said, be I, gone? I, in trouble and eventually be gone isn't fired. Well, you didn't say fired. You said it would be the last show. Okay, the last show, which means you're fired. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, of course I'm concerned. I, I think that's a dumb answer. No, I don't think I'm going to do it, but well, I'm concerned. The, the Every answer. single time I start talking, I'm like, okay, don't don't curse. Don't curse no, right not. now. I know. There's no way. Of course I am. You don't curse That's because so I'm it's concerned. Not, it's not, no. Yes, it's because I'm concerned I, I, about it. I'm not it. saying to curse, but in this building, I'm not saying everyone in this room, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah drop an F-bomb right, right now. Right. I'm not saying you have enough equity here and the building is pretty good. The management is great. What would the curse be? This bleeping, bleeping, bleeping. I mean, if you strung like three, four, five Please. together and just yeah. kept doing it, yeah. maybe. Of course, I'm concerned every day about that. All right. Well, you're you're a nervous ninny then. Yes, I of course. Okay, well, then George Klyovkov is not. We well, should he be. Knows, well, he knows what the situation is. Because I'm concerned every day, I've never done it. Because Klyovkov's not concerned, he just lost his two best teams. Be concerned. Maybe you wouldn't have lost. All right, let's were, build on this. Coming concerned. up next with a uh, SoCal guy in Caleb Herring. Let's bring in a confident man to the show. Caleb Herring is in with us. Caleb, I don't know if you heard the uh, discussion. I'm not going to call it an argument. We were talking about George Klyavkov's approach to giving out information about the future of the Pac-12. And uh, he said, I'm not concerned about poaching. We have you know, all the schools on board. We're good to go. And Adam seems to believe that that is the attitude that got the Pac-12 leaders in trouble in the first place. And they slow played it and didn't pay attention, but UCLA and USC. So, how are you feeling about this? Do we do we need answers now? And it should have been at media days. I think you should have gotten some more direction out of media day. I think there's a definitely concern with Pac-Well losing the prestige. I guess that that sort of attitude requires, right? So, the Pac-10 probably had the ability to kind of not pay attention, not get narratives out because the, the power of the conference was enough to, you know, figure it out in the end. But the SEC and the Big Ten and maybe even the Big 12, for that matter, have kind of left the Pac-12 behind as far as the Power Five conferences go, where the national respect or the, the, the university respect for being a part of that conference is not as powerful as it was back in the day. So the Pac-10 doesn't carry the weight to say, we're just going to kind of sit back and let things play out. We're fine. We don't have to worry about it. You have to be proactive, especially now in the climate you have where USC and UCLA 
probably your most storied university. Um, I would say definitely in that sense, your most storied universities are already out. You don't have a lot of bargaining chips to just kind of be passive when discussions are being had or when people are curious about the direction, you need to be proactive in establishing a tone and giving direction for the future because people don't know. And that's just the truth of it right now for where you are as a Pac-12. The Pac-10 back in the day in the 90s, early 2000s, when you know it was in its heyday in college football in the Pac-10, maybe you can get away with not having something to say at media or letting things kind of happen as they may. But not right now in the Pac-12. I think that's a recipe for a disaster. So, I mean, do you think they lose more before they go forward anymore? I think so. I can't see a path where they don't lose more. Uh, and I, that, that may be tough to say, but we talked about it before where Oregon – I don't know if Caleb can hear us. Let's be in a situation uh, where they may get left behind. Hey, Caleb, I'm going to cut you off for a second. Let's try to reconnect. Come on, maybe get a mic setting all set there. Um, what we're going to talk about coming up next is I want to finish this answer. Uh, we talked to Barry Odom yesterday at the beginning of the show. Um, both videos are out. So there's two parts of the video. If you uh, didn't hear or watch the video, uh, go and do it. Um, but I want Caleb to react to what Barry Odom was saying on a couple of fronts. Uh, one, uh, and this will also be, we do a UNLV All Access podcast each weekend, and we'll bump that back into the week. But we do that each weekend. Odom started going like crazy with the football terminology. So I want, I want Caleb to break it down. It'll probably be on the podcast. But um, he had really good things to say about Doug Brumfield. Um, and something I was surprised by that he, when he saw Brumfield, uh, he still, first of all, he still wanted him to put on weight. We'll try to bring in Caleb Herring. Caleb, you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. So uh, we'll get to Brumfield in a second. I, I don't know if you remember where you were with the Pac-12, but let's talk about the risk they're taking and if it's going to be worse before it gets better in terms of teams in the conference. Yeah, I think it has a potential to get worse before better. And I think I was talking about Oregon and their potential to be one to get into one of these mega conferences that's forming in the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, they could still potentially leave. And what would that leave the conference with? Um, no disrespect to the other universities, but there's not very many draws as far as the media consumption of the Pac-12 if Oregon is to leave as well. Um, and you don't make meaningful, significant additions to the conference in the meantime, which, again, they have a quiet approach to. They're kind of mute as far as who they're looking to add, if anybody. So they're, they're setting themselves up to be the losers in this conference realignment um, with the other big conferences and the Power Five really taking the lion's share of the teams that are left on the table. All right, so let's get into Doug, Doug uh, if I can say it, Doug Brumfield. Um, Odom had a lot of good things to say about him. He did say he wanted him to add weight. He did. He says he put on 17 to 19 pounds, which I thought was really interesting. So you're a former quarterback. You know a lot about Doug Brumfield. This is a defensive coach coming in. So what do you think about what he said about Doug? I think he's pretty much right on. I think he t talked about a lot of the transition and how Doug – helped with that transition and being a solid piece in the locker room that was from the previous regime to kind of help with his transition as a coach and kind of be that instant coach in the locker room when he got the playbook and understanding of the new coaching staff under his belt. Um, so that helped with the transition. But I think anybody who watched Doug the last two seasons understood that his health and his ability to stay in the field was important. And I learned that a guy that was a billed back in my college days 
that putting on extra weight did help you to stay healthy. Um, and it has to be good weight, obviously. You know, you don't want to just pound on straight fat and be out there slow and sluggish because of it. Um, but you do want to add some muscle tissues, some, some cushion around some of those blows because a lot of it is just straight impact injuries that you need cushion around you. If you're nothing but skin and bones, you're, you're going to have a tough time staying healthy, as Doug has had for the last few seasons that we've watched him. His availability is the, the most important thing for him right now. So adding the weight is a huge thing. I know when I was making my way to try out for the NFL, one of the biggest things was to add weight. And they had a target weight for me to be at um, to make an NFL roster. And that's looking down the road for Doug. But obviously for now, being healthy is priority. So the weight is going to be necessary. And he has put on pounds just looking at him. And even in the spring, when we got to look at him pets, he looked a lot bigger than years prior. So he has added some weight, and that's going to help them. But I think Doug is, is going to be the leader in this team in, in multiple ways. I don't think they want to feature him as much in the run game as he was last year. Um, but he is definitely going to be the centerpiece of the offense. And I think Coach Odom is excited about the fact that he has that set. A lot of times when you come in as a new coach, you don't know the quarterback situation or what that's going to be. So it's been a luxury um, based on what Coach Odom has said about him since he touched down in Las Vegas back in, in January is that Doug Brumfield is the centerpiece, and he's happy to have him in the locker room and as a care, as a holdover from from the last. Is that extra weight an improvement? Why you voted UNLV number one in the conference poll? Is that why I? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't you. I, Adam's I all worked up about. It. He's trying to sniff I, out who had the vote. He assumes it's a vote. it's a UNLV person. I, I know who it is. Actually. It's a UNLV media person who voted. Uh, the rebels no, in first. I know it is. No, um, but in, in all honesty, um, you know, Doug was talking about, you know, kind of that that leadership and and you know finding it. He's not a very vocal person, and I don't necessarily think you are either. I'm not, I'm not sure you know where you necessarily were on the practice field, but he said he kind of had a moment where he was taking charge of a practice recently, and he said, "Oh yeah." Like this is like this is a new like a new confidence, a new sense that I'm feeling, and part of that comes from the fact that he said even in high school he's never had a season where he was the number one guy going into camp. So I guess how different can that be? And can you just find a moment where you just realize like you are a leader? Yeah, it's weird because I wasn't the most vocal guy either. I think me and Doug late in that way, um, so I had to learn creative ways to find that role as well. Um, and for me, it actually was through just doing the work. I, I, instead of focusing on being vocal at first, I sort of led by example in practice. I would sprint everywhere. I would be the first to drills. I would, I would break a sweat in warm-ups. And eventually, guys started to recognize the work. And then with the work comes easy moments to kind of be an example and to be vocal. It's like, hey, let's get going. Let's go. Let's go. It's the simple things. Because you're the first one to the drill, you can then kind of root the guys in. That, that becomes an easy way to be vocal. And then you realize, hey, that wasn't that bad. That was kind of easy, actually. And once you have that leadership by example thing under your belt, it becomes very easy to, for your voice to carry more weight. So you don't have to be as loud about being vocal, but you just have to be present vocally. And that's, that's something that you kind of get a niche for as a quarterback because you have to, you have, to have a voice uh, in the locker room and on the field especially. Um, but it's something that they're going into. And we, we've seen these steps over the years and having open quarterback competitions where he's literally blossomed before our eyes. Um, last fall, I remember going to the beginning stages of camp and saying the same thing, like, why is Doug taking command of the huddle? Why is he taking command in his practice? 
And as fall camp rolled on, you see he got more comfortable with it. Hopefully that's been the case for the spring and the summer so far, so that come fall camp, he's more than confident in himself to take that vocal leadership. Former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring is on ESPN Las Vegas. He's the host of the Barry Odom radio show, the analyst on the games. We've got two minutes left. Let's try to get in two questions real quick on this one. Uh, three three five. we discussed that with uh, Barry Odom head coach, but defensive guy, what do you think about what he said about the three three five? Well, I think it's – he alluded to some of the reasons why I hated going against the three three five defense. Um, and one of the biggest things was um, as run fits go, you don't necessarily look at – secondary players in a, in a traditional 4-3 defense as being run-fit guys. You account for them late in runs. So you're not necessarily thinking, making checks or adjustment based on where the strong safety or the free safety are. But the fact that he alluded to uh, the defensive backs being part of the edge fit, part of the run fit, and not necessarily being able to identify where that is all the time gives the defense a distinct advantage. And I think that's one of the, the, the big puzzles to solve when you're facing a 3-3-5 defense is there's so much difference and so much variance in who can be what, who can be playing the run, who's blitzing, who's in coverage this time. Um, and trying to identify those things gives offense nightmares. And I, I know I hated it as a quarterback trying to figure it out. Um, so we'll see how, how effectively and how much variance they're able to employ in the first year of the 3-3-5 at UNLV. 30 seconds left. Uh, Odom went on a quick vacation to Italy, and he told us the, the food was unreal. He didn't want to bang on American Italian food, but he sound, uh, sounded like he had a really good time. Yeah, I would imagine getting to the root of Italian food would be a different experience than a traditional spaghetti in America. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I'm excited. It's on my bucket list to get to Italy and, and experience some of that cuisine because everybody that I know that's been has basically raved about the food the same way that Odom did. I'm glad he and his family got to experience it, but it just made me excited for the chance to go myself. <laughs> well, good news. Uh, the Barry Odom Radio Show starts up on August 30th. It's going to be live at 215 in Flamingo. That's Parkway Tavern. And I think it was off the air, but I, we can bring it on the record. Odom said when he was talking about the format of the show, uh, well, first of all, I told him, I'm like, Caleb decides that, Coach. Now, uh, Coach gets to decide the format. He said, we definitely have to talk food every week. And I'm like, Hallelujah. <laughs> You have met the guys who are perfect for a quick block about food. So get ready for that. You better be prepped. I'm definitely going to be prepped. Broadcaster Bites is going to be featured, I guess, on the Odin show. There you go. We're bringing it it to the surface. All right, Caleb, have a good weekend, buddy. We'll see you. Take care, guys. There he is, our football insider on Fridays, Caleb Herring, the former quarterback with UNLV. And uh, kickoff for the first game is September 2nd. Bryant's in town, then at Michigan, then they got a game against – Vandy, they're going to be playing at UTEP. That's going to be a tough game. You can get your home game tickets at UNLVtickets.com, and if you do it before August 1st, they've got a Yeti uh, Yeti Cup. I love those things. I have like 20 of them. UNLV-branded Yeti Cup, UNLVtickets.com.